0: Ahem. <clears throat> Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen Wa salatu wa salamu ala Ashrafil al-anbiya wal-mursaleen Muhammadin wa ashabihi ajma'een Amma ba'd Insha'Allah we're continuing into the story of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the seerah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi and we're discussing the events that took place in the 7th Hijri And Right now in our story In the life of the Prophet Sallallahu uh, We've had few incidents after now uh, The Treaty of Hudaybiyah And We've discussed The Battle of Khaybar And how Khaybar was uh, uh, conquered And then now we're in our story, we're in about a year after the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, And so, if we remember, the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, one of the conditions and one of the things that was set up was that the Muslims were not allowed to um, do their Umrah right then and there, but they were allowed to come back the next following year and fulfill their Umrah. So now... It's been uh, it's been a year after the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, and now it is time, and it is the moment that the Prophet sallallahu will now do his Umrah, and the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam his Umrah, and the the Sahaba radhiyallahu taala anhum they were very uh, you know this was a very emotional state. In the beginning, when they uh, they went for Hudaybiyah, when they went for their first Umrah, they were not allowed to do this Umrah. And when they were barred, it was a very emotional state where they couldn't keep going into Makkah and fulfill their rights, their rights of Umrah. And not only that, they didn't even want to go back. So the Prophet ﷺ, uh, he had to convince them to come out of the ihram and sacrifice their uh, their animals. And so now, a year later, when the Prophet ﷺ is going back for uh, the makeup umrah, which is the Qadah, Umratul qada then everybody is now uh, going again with the Prophet. ﷺ. And the individuals and the companions that were with the Prophet ﷺ in the first umrah, they also go with the Prophet. ﷺ. But not only that, along with those Muslims and along with those individuals, Others also join in and others also come in. So the Prophet wasallam, he ends up going to Umrah with not only those individuals that were in the first group for Hudaybiyah, but also some other Muslims that joined along with them. So now this is the, the seventh year, and now the Muslims, they're taking off and they're getting to go for their makeup Umrah according to their treaty of Hudaybiyah, according to what they have uh, um, written down with the Mus- uh, the, the Quraysh. And so uh, about 2,000 Muslims set out for Mecca, right? In the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, there was 1,400. But now because everybody that was in the first um, Umrah is required to come, along with that, there's other Muslims that are also joining in. There's about 2,000 that are going for this next Umrah. Right, This is going to be the first Umrah of the Prophet ﷺ. And while they're going um, out of safety and a precaution, they carry their weapons. And one of the things in the treaty was that they're not allowed to bring any weapons, only a sword in its sheath uh, for protection. So while they're setting out from Medina, they take their weapons in case that they're uh, tricked or in case that somebody comes and attacks. And this is a very uh, uh, important thing for us to uh, learn from that we have to take our precautions in life. That no matter what happens, uh, the precautions and the steps a person should take to ensure that uh, they're, you know, they're in the safe zone or they're in, their, uh, uh, in the right area is something that we have to kind of remember. So the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he didn't have to take those weapons. But as a precaution, that some treachery, some, some people could come and attack so out of that, the Prophet ﷺ ordered the Sahaba r.a. to take their weapons. And they take their weapons all the way till about 8 miles out of Mecca, which is a valley of uh, Yajuj. And they leave their weapons there. And they have appoint people to guard their weapons. And then they continue into Mecca uh, according to what the treaty says, which is you know a, a sword that is in the sheep so they're not breaking the treaty But in the journey From Makka, uh, Medina to Mecca They were carrying their weapons And they appointed the people So they would trade off And they would finish uh, A group would finish their umrah And then they would go guard the weapons The next group would go And complete their uh their umrah Now imagine the setting And the scene that is about to occur That the Prophet wasallam, After almost uh, Seven years Of being expelled and being taken away from Makkah, is now going to go into Makkah, the place that he was born in and the, the land that he loves. And the Prophet ﷺ, while he enters Makkah, um, Abdullah ibn Rawaha, who's a very uh, influential Sahabi and also is going to come up uh, uh, in another event that we'll speak about today. He's taking the reins of the camel of the Prophet ﷺ, and he's singing poetry, and he's singing couplets in the praise of the Prophet Wasallam. And uh, uh, the the Quraysh, the Mushrikeen at that time, they withdrew from Mecca. To uh, this was three days. That was, that was part of the pact that they withdrew from Mecca to allow the Muslims to come do their uh, ibadat, their Umrah, and then leave. So he's singing, you know, loudly that all the Quraysh they can hear and all the Quraysh, they went into the hills and they were actually looking at the sight of the muslims coming in and the muslims doing their tawaf and their rites and it's it's a you know long uh, um poetry but one of the statements one of the couplets that he sings is um oh my lord inni bi, uh, bi bi that i am a believer in his uh, statements and i regard it as acceptance and the sole truth. That the statements of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, whatever he utters, this is the, the truth that is has been revealed upon him. And he says all of these poor trees in spite of the Quraysh that you know uh, that they're going to be defeated and they're gonna be smited and this and that. And Umar radiallahu ta'ala, he, he tells him that uh, Oh O Abdullah Abdullah ibn Rawaha How are you saying this in the presence of the Prophet? You know, it came to a point where uh, it may seem as if it's offensive. So the Prophet says, You know, uh, O Umar, I'm listening to what he's saying. And not only that, he told them to add on a couplet, which was, La ilaha illallah wahda, that there is no God except Allah, Nasra abda wa azza junda, that he has assisted his uh, servant, his slave. And he has honored his army. وَهَزَمَ الْأَحْزَابَ wahda And he has defend, defeated the confederates all alone. Remember right before this, the, 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 uh, the last battle that the Muslims had with the Quraysh, all of the Arabian Peninsula came together to fight the Muslims. But they weren't able to and it was a defeat for them. So the Prophet ﷺ showing that no matter what they did, this is divine enablement by Allah subhanahu wa taala that Allah subhanahu wa taala defeated the the groups and the confederates that came. So the Quraysh and the Mushrikun they're looking at this and they're they you know uh, getting aggravated by these statements. And these statements was you know more uh, uh, enticing them more than the the fight itself because now they're seeing that the the Muslims have gone so powerful. That they're coming into Makkah and they're able to say these words and they say these porches and they're doing their ibadat and their tawaf. And they can't do anything about it. So the Muslims, they continue and they do the, the rites of uh, uh, the umrah. And while they're doing their tawaf, the Prophet sallallahu Alaihi tells them to you know become strong and be, uh, be bold when they're doing their umrah. And to act like soldiers, march like soldiers. And this was done so that the Quraysh may think that these Muslims, they're not weak. Because they had a rumor going around that the Muslims, they're, they're weakened. The sicknesses and the fever of Medina was taken over. And now they're very weak farmers. And when they see them, in reality, they're seeing these men, they're soldiers, they're warriors. And they start comparing them that they're not weak. They're actually very strong. They're like our warriors uh, in Quraysh. And so that sets a, a psychological uh, uh, image in their minds that these are the Muslims, the strong. And the Prophet ﷺ, he finishes his, his uh, uh, tawaf and he continues into the sa'i and he goes to Safa and Marwa and he finishes all those rites. And then he sends, um, he sends a group to switch with the group that was guarding the arms. And one of the things is the Prophet ﷺ, he came into in a time before dhuhr prayer. And now it was time for the dhuhr prayer. So he sends Bilal ta'ala anhu on top of the Kaaba, on top of the house of Allah that has been, you know, uh, decorated and been, uh, uh, not decorated, but disgraced by these idols, right? All of these idols were placed into the Kaaba and around the Kaaba, on top of the Kaaba. And that was their worship. So he sends Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu on top of the Kaaba. And he tells him, call the Adhan for Zuhar. And so the Quraysh, they see this and they can't believe it. That this this was a slave of Makkah. Bilal, Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he was the uh, uh, the slave of Umayyah bin Khalaf. And he was abused and tormented. And we, we remember the story. Now, he this Abyssinian slave in their eyes, is now climbing on top of the Kaaba. And he's calling, uh, to, he's calling to Islam, and he's calling the call to prayer that they haven't heard, and they, they find this thing very, very uh, uh, amazing. That, how is this happening? And so one of the, the leaders of the Quraysh, Ikra bin Abi Jahal, he says that Allah has been very kind to my father, who was Abu Jahal, By letting him die before he could see a a situation like this. Where a slave is saying such words. So in their minds, this was a very huge impact. That now through Islam, a slave is getting this status. That he's not only uh, going on top of the Kaaba. But he's calling all these different Muslims who are the leaders of Quraysh and this and that. To come for prayer. So this is is the, the mindset that they had. So the Prophet he did the rites. He was there for three days, as according to the treaty. In these three days, he marries Maymuna radhiyallahu Anha, who was the sister of his um, aunt, um, the wife of Abbas radhiyallahu Anhu, And he asks the Quraysh and the Meccans if he can stay there for uh, a feast of Walima. Walima is the, the feast that a person has after they get married to commemorate the marriage. And the Quraysh, they reject. And the scholars, they mentioned one of the reasons why the Prophet sallallahu Alaihi asked for this was through this uh, feeding and the feast, this would be a way for the people to know about Islam. And to know what is uh, the Muslims and kind of interact with the Muslims. And so they rejected this and the Prophet ﷺ had her meet him uh, in another uh, location. And in this Umrah, there were some companions that we'll speak about that they were trying to meet with their family members to give them not only da'wah of Islam but just to uh, see their condition, how they're doing. And this played a very influential role in helping them accept Islam. So the Prophet Sallallahu now he is done with his umrah. The companions they are done in three days, they're leaving. And now as they're leaving, uh, one of the young daughters and one young girl who was the daughter of Hamza radiallahu ta'ala anhu, she starts running behind the Prophet, ﷺ, screaming and yelling, Ya ammi, Ya ammi, Oh my uncle, oh my uncle. And she's calling to the Prophet ﷺ because you know, uh, he's her uncle from both sides. And Ali radiallahu ta'ala he sees this and he picks her up. And he takes her. And now there's a, you know, a, a dispute on who's going to take care of this daughter. Ali radiallahu ta'ala who says that I picked her up. So it should be my right to uh, take care of her. Um, Ja'far bin Abi Talib, who's the brother of Ali radiallahu ta'ala he says, No, it should be my right to take care of her because... Uh, her, her khala, which is her maternal uh, aunt Is my wife And Zayd bin uh, uh, Haritha radiallahu ta'ala Who he says No, uh, it's not actually uh, Both of you guys, it's going to be my right And the reason he says is uh, Because The the brotherhood that the Prophet sallallahu made Is Hamza radiallahu ta'ala Who was his brother so finally, the Prophet sallallahu he mentions that the aunt is in the same status as the mother and she was awarded to Jaffa bin Abi Talib to take care of and the aunt was his wife. So, another incident is as they're leaving, um, this is when Khalid bin Walid, who was a great general, great Sahabi, as of right now, he is not Muslim. But the Islam of Khalid, Bin Walid is now about to come into light, where, uh, whenever he mentions that, whenever they would put him in charge of any anything, any efforts against Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he would think that this effort is going to be ineffective, and it's it's not going to work, and Muhammad is ultimately going to win. And not only that, if we remember in Hudaybiyah, he was uh, you know at the head of the dispatch of about 200 or so soldiers that went to ambush the Prophet Sallallahu and when he saw them praying, he saw them praying the Dhuhr prayer, he said, okay, you know, this is the best time to attack. In the Asr prayer, I will attack. And the Prophet Sallallahu was given news about this and inspired about the fact that he will attack. And the Muslims, they prayed Salatul Khawf and the prayer of fear, which is, uh, a group of them were guarding while the other group was praying, and then they switched. And he said to himself, "This is this is the only way that he could have known about this. If is if he has divine uh, help from somewhere, so he has uh, forces, and he's being guarded by unseen forces. And so Khalid bin Walid, he's a intellectual man, and he's a very smart person. So he says that this is this is has to be done by a person that has been inspired." So in the uh, Umrah, his brother Walid bin Walid, he goes and seeks out his brother and he can't find him. And he writes him a letter. And he says that I have not seen anything as strange as uh, uh, your aversion to Islam. Then, you know, this is the most uh, strangest thing I've seen from you. And he sees that, uh, he, uh, he says and he writes in his letter that that something as pure as Islam, you know, th- th- there's no other. Remember, he's already been, uh, uh, um, he's already thinking about Islam and he already is uh, going towards lis- uh, f- falling into Islam, but he just doesn't have that push. So he says that even the Prophet Sallallahu he inquired for me when we came for Umrah, where's Khalid? And I replied that Allah will bring him soon. And the Prophet Sallallahu said, it's astounding that a man of such intelligence like him would be ignorant from such a pure religion as Islam. So uh, uh, he's giving him this dawah and he's calling him to Islam. And to finally add on, he says, if Khalid assists Islam and joins the ranks of the Muslims and uh, combats the forces of evil, it will be far better for him and we would give preference to him over others. So he tells him that you should accept Islam. And this was the push that he needed. And this was the push that he was looking for. So Khalid bin Walid, he finally uh, decides that it's time now that he will become Muslim. And because of the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, he was able to and he was able to uh, go to Medina and accept Islam. Now the story is, is when he was going, uh, he didn't want to go alone. He didn't want to go make that journey alone. So he asks, uh, um, you know, the close cousins and companions he had, and he asks Safwan bin Umayyah, And he's lost family. And he's, you know, the, you can say, uh, the rival of Abu Sufyan politically. And he says, no, there's no way I'm going to go uh, become Muslim. Um, he goes to Ikram bin Abi jahl who says the same thing. And he's lost his father and, you know, uh, all of this hatred is in him. Um, then he goes finally to Usman bin Talha. And finally they... Agree, and he also says that you know I've been feeling like I want to accept Islam. So we'll go to Medina and we'll accept Islam. On their way, they meet another companion, Amr bin As, and the reason why I'm mentioning this is look at the events because they're accepting Islam now, and right after that, the Prophet in in expedition honors them by making them uh, uh lead that expedition out. So on their way. Uh, they meet Amr bin As. And he also says that, you know, where uh, I want to accept Islam, he was coming from Abyssinia. And all three of them go to Medina. They come in the presence of the Prophet wasallam, And they accept their, uh, they take their shahada, they accept Islam. And one of the feelings that uh, Khalid bin Walid, since he fought so many Muslims and he was a general from the Quraysh, is that he thought that you know Islam how is it going to uh, take him with all his pre, uh, prior sins. So the Prophet sallallahu wasallam he said al-islamu yahdimu ma kana qabla. That Islam it obliterates and forgives every single thing that is before Islam. Meaning a person comes with a clean slate. So whatever actions and uh, uh things that a person was involved with after deen and after Islam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives all of that. So now the companions, they're coming into... Uh, this was also a time a, a lot of the companions came and the Prophet wasallam. in another uh, narration, he mentions that Makkah has put out its uh, uh, you know, liver, meaning its best, its best individuals, its most honorable individuals. And then now they have come to Medina as Muslims. So this is a time when a lot of the companions, they became Muslim. And now the Prophet wasallam he sent an invitation to uh the syrian border and this is the this is the uh the beginning of the battle of mu'tah where the prophet sallallahu he sent three leaders and three amirs and all three of them passed away and this is a very interesting battle right uh and uh, and we'll see how, how the sahaba radhiyallahu they fought such uh fierce opponents so the Prophet sent the invitation of Islam to Shurahbil bin Amr Ghassani, and this was the governor of Sham uh, under the Romans. And this whole expedition it took a, a, a the, the the time frame of about a month, right? And we're still in uh, you can say the twentieth year of uh, uh, Prophethood, which is about the seventh or eighth year uh, of. Hijrah. And so when the Prophet Sallallahu sent his invitation to accept Islam and the dawah of Islam, he responded by killing the messenger of the Prophet Sallallahu And so when, you know, like I mentioned before, when a person uh, uh, kills a messenger, this is a declaration of war. So the Prophet Sallallahu sent 3,000 men. And in these 3,000 men, he made three Amirs. And three, the Amirs and the commanders, they were such that whoever was the commander would hold the standard and the flag of Islam. And that meant basically that they were in charge of the army, not only in the sense of commanding them, but also in the moral sense, where they would see the, the standard and the bearers of uh, the flag into the army, and they would get uh, uh, strength that the army has now reached the middle, or the army has uh, reached the end. So they would continue fighting. And this was something that was given only to the strongest and the, the bravest men. So the Prophet ﷺ, he sends uh, 3,000 men. And with the uh, leaders, he sends Zaid bin uh, Haritha radiallahu ta'ala anhu, as the first commander. And then he mentions if he falls, then Jafar bin Abi Talib. And if he falls, Abdullah bin Rawaha. Right, The names that just came up in Hudaybiyah. He says, these individuals will become the leaders. And just as the Prophet ﷺ said, you know, these individuals will fall. And he says, if all three of them fall, then the Muslims will elect their their commander. And he tells them, he gives a lot of advice. This is the time when he gives a lot of advice. So much so that the companions, they start weeping at the advice that he's giving. So he says, go into the area where the messenger was killed and invite towards Islam. And if they accept the invitation of Islam, then well and good, you know, you can come back. But if they don't accept the invitation, then engage them. This was the command that they they were given. And he walked and took the entire army till the outskirts of Medina. And he gave them few advices. And some of those things that he said is, don't fall into any type of deception. And never breach a trust that someone has given you. Don't kill any children, any women, or any elderly. And this is, this is, the, this is the conduct of the Muslims. Right? In one place, later on, in the time of Umar, ta'ala, he gave such command to the people that the army, when they, were in, uh, they took over the city, and he was scared that now the times have changed and the army cannot go into the city without any injustice happening he he didn't let the army go inside, and he kept the army at the outskirts and he sent special commanders, the special ones that were uh, had their 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 jobs he sent them to fulfill the responsibilities and take over the city and This was something that islam always islam never killed children, women, or anything like that any is innocent lives it was never the 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 side of the Muslims that this happened from. So the Prophet ﷺ is giving this advice. And again, Abdullah ibn Rawaha, again he was a a Sahabi that was very well versed in poetry. So he started saying couplets. And he started saying uh, uh, poetry uh, about going out, and what is happening. And again, I'll mention one of the couplets that really, um, you know, so as, as he's leaving, he starts weeping. And the people, they ask him, you know, why are you weeping? And he says, you know, I'm not weeping about missing you or miss, missing Medina or even what the Prophet is saying. But I'm weeping for the ayat that the Prophet mentioned. And this is something that he gave them advice for. That he mentioned that there is none of you except that will pass over hell. إِلَّا وَارِدُهَا كَانَ عَلَىٰ رَبِّكَ حَتْمًا Except that there will be uh, a decisive. uh, It it has been decisively declared by Allah. So He said, "I don't know when I I, when I pass over it if I will go on to the other side and continue into Jannah." So He started weeping out of the fear of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. So now these three thousand men, they're setting it out, and you know. Shurahbil he hears that this army is coming. So he assembles 100,000 men. Now, this is more than the Muslims have seen in any of their other fights. Right? They've seen uh, 10,000. They've seen 14,000. Um, 100,000 is unheard of for the Muslims to uh, face. And not only that, when the governor is assembling this, uh, this uh, 100,000, the emperor of Rome, he sends another 100,000 to join. So now the Muslims are facing two hundred thousand men, and if we kind of do the math, that's about sixty-seven men to one man. That's the odds against the Muslims. So they have few options, and they think that number one, number one, we can send for reinforcements, and we can send a message to the Prophet If you know now they're in Sham, they're in the Syrian border. Uh, um near the roman uh, eastern Rome, roman empire's border so that we can send for reinforcements or number 2 is we fight and this is where abdullah ibn Rawaha, he encourages them to uh, uh renew their faith and renew their intentions and fight and so he says that uh you know what wh- what are we being uh, uh, uh scared about You know, he's he's speaking to them in a way that what are we being scared about? If we don't fight them on the basis of their numbers, we never look at numbers anyways. We don't even care about the numbers. We only look at the divine help that is coming, which is the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has honored us with. Nothing else matters. All of these numbers and how many people they have, how many people we have, it doesn't really matter. It's only with the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala something can happen. So he says, so... If we advance and we fight, either two things are going to happen. Either we're going to win, which is good for us, or we're going to be martyrs, which is good for us. So he renews, and this is the iman that a person should have, that outwardly something seems as if it's a certain way. And we think that this is how uh, uh, something is, and we may think it's bad, and we may think that it's uh, defeating us. But if we remember the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, we think about it with the lens of the Quran and Sunnah, then everything becomes easy. So he's saying there's no difficulty. We will, we will each option that we have is something that is good. So the battle starts. Again, 3,000 versus 200,000. And Zaid bin Thabit is now the Amir, the commander of this army. And they're at the Syrian border. And they're fighting and he falls. And he passes away. And Jafar bin Abi Talib, he was mounted on a horse. He gets down and he takes the flag before it falls down. And he's fighting and he's fighting. And it's mentioned that his right hand gets chopped off. And then his left hand, he loses it in the path of Allah. And he puts the flag by his abdomen. So that way it doesn't fall. And he also passes away. Now, while this is happening, Rasulullah is getting inspiration and he's being shown by Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala exactly what is happening, and the Prophet Sallallahu calls the companions, and uh, 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 you know he calls everybody, and he starts describing the events which is occurring, and he says Zayd has engaged the uh, the army, and he is holding the flag, and everybody's listening in, everybody's tuning in, they want to see what is happening, and then he says Zayd has become shaheed. now Jafar bin Abi Talib he is taking the flag, and he is. Uh, 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 fighting and he says he lost his right hand his left hand and then he says I see him in Jannah and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given him a pair of wings that he is soaring with the angels of Jannah and he has become martyred then uh, uh, Abdullah ibn uh, Rawaha he takes the, the uh, flag and he's fighting and he also falls and so the Prophet sallallahu is telling them every single thing exactly as is house, uh, happening as inspired by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They mention Abdullah uh, uh, ibn Rawaha. He fought so much that uh, his whole body had about 90 wounds. 90 wounds that his body had and not a single one of those wounds was on his back. Meaning that he never faced the enemy by running. He faced them face on. Taking them in in front of in front of him, so after he passes away, now the third commander is gone, so now the Muslims have to elect, so immediately they say, "Who will be the commander and one of the companies he puts the standard of Islam in the hands of Khalid bin Walid, who just became Muslim and Khalid bin Walid, we know he was an experienced general and he was uh, uh, very well experienced in battle so He's given this, uh, uh, the flag of Islam. And the Prophet while he's seeing this, he makes dua for him. And he says, "Allahumma innahu سَيْفٌ min suyufik, O oh Allah, that he is a sword from your swords. So, you help him. And from that day on, he was known as the sword of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they mentioned that every battle that he went in, he wouldn't lose. Because he was the sword of Allah and the sword of Allah cannot lose. And he wanted to be martyred. And he wanted to be shaheed. But he never got that opportunity. Then later on on, the, on his deathbed. He says all the battles. He was not able to become shaheed. But now he is dying a, you know like a natural death. So Khalid bin Walid is an experienced general. Now he has a, the flag of Islam. And he is fighting. On the next day. Using strategy. What he does is. He makes the vanguards. Who are the front guards. Come into the back and makes the back guards and the uh, back portion of the army come in the front and he makes the left flank go to the right flank and the right flank go to the left flank. So now they think when they're facing them off the next day, they think that this is a whole new reinforcements have come. This is a whole new army that's fighting us because they were seeing individuals now because of the change. They're like, where are the people that we were fighting? Where did they go? So now they're thinking that these are totally different uh, 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 army members that come. So Hiraqal the emperor of Rome, he's thinking that, you know, the Muslims, they sent for reinforcements and now groups of reinforcements are coming. So what happens is they continue fighting and then they go, uh, withdraws to a, a hill area. Right. And the Muslims, they also go back to an area. And then from that, the, uh, Hiraqal goes back and the Muslims also go back. And the reason is, is he's thinking that the Muslims, they're going to continue sending their reinforcements. This is a battle that we're not going to win. And the strategy that Khalid bin Walid had was to uh, uh, psychologically make them feel as if the numbers are growing and they're losing this battle. And it seemed it worked in that sense where they they thought that the Muslims are continuing to come and Muhammad has sent reinforcements. Little did they know that it's only the same amount of people that have uh, uh, been there from before. So, while this fight is now uh, coming to an end, the Prophet Wasallam, he sees this uh, uh, the, the the vision and he's seeing what is happening, and so he goes to the the children of Jafar radiallahu ta'ala and this is the famous incident where uh, um, you know he takes care of the children. He puts his hands over the children and he has his family. Uh, uh, make some meals for the family of Jafar bin Abi Talib, and the end result of this was, you know, about uh twelve Muslims were martyred, and the 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 fought. You know, you can say that it was a win for the Muslims in the sense that they took on an army that was much greater and much higher, and so now they have a name in the Syrian border that the Muslims have did this. The tribes around there hearing about this. And another, you know, small uprising comes up, uh, um, the, which has few names to it. Um, one of the names is the Vatus Salasil, or the Banu Qudaa. that was an uprising that was coming up. And the Prophet Sallallahu sent another uh, dispatch, about 300 men, and then reinforcements of another 200 men, so about 500 men came and put that uprising down. And... That was the the, the expedition that happened on that side of uh, Medina. Now, the next event that happens in the Seerah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is that they break the treaty, the Quraysh, they break the treaty of Hudaybiyah. And inshallah, we'll speak about that uh, in detail tomorrow. And that leads us to the conquest of Makkah, the Fath of Makkah. And how the events that took place, and I think, uh, you know, just personally speaking, this is one of the most uh, uh, awesomest and amazing thing that happens. Where the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam takes over the entire city of Mecca without bloodshed, without fighting. And we'll speak about the details and the events that happen uh, tomorrow, inshallah. Just as an announcement, uh, inshallah this Saturday, uh, May 16th at 630 uh ICF Mazin Zakaria will be having a fundraiser. Inshallah the details will be on the website. Uh, Everybody is requested, uh, uh, you know, uh, requested to partake in it uh, This is for the operational expenses of the masjids for uh, the rest of the year So uh, please keep that in mind We make do Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allows us to learn from these events that took place And the qualities of these men The qualities of the sahaba And bring those qualities Just as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said uh, Believe like the believing men so we believe and we bring those qualities as the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala, anhum brought those qualities into their lives. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept this and bring those uh, sifat into our lives and the type of Iman that they had in our lives. Wa da'wana and alhamdulillah rabbil alameen subhanahu